2: everyone. So we are here today for a really fun episode. We're going to be talking to some Overdrive readers and book lovers about one of my favorite topics, fandoms. And so our first guest today, we have Morgan. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. To kick us off, can you let our listeners know a little bit about yourself and what you do at Overdrive?
3: Um, so, I work in the education sales department. So, I help people uh, get their Sora audiobooks and ebooks working and add new stuff and log in and all that good stuff.
2: Perfection. We love to hear everyone spread the word about Sora. So, we're here to talk about fandoms. There are billions, seemingly. And so, I am curious to know
3: what fandom you would consider yourself a part of. So, I have been a part of a lot of different fandoms over the years. I think, like a lot of people um, who are in my age band, I'm a millennial. I had a Harry Potter phase, but I discovered the Sherlock Holmes series when I was in high school and decided that I was going to be a lifer. And then, lucky for me, the BBC series came out just a couple of years later. So, I could just latch on to that, uh, which has been pretty fruitful for me. Oh, my goodness.
2: I'm so happy that we're going to talk a little bit about Sherlock because. The BBC adaptation of Sherlock was such a vibe.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you can't see it right now, but I have an oil painting of Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock right over my head. Oh, I might need a photo of that
2: so we can share with the listeners. But (laughs) so you said this a little bit. When did your love of this book series author sort of begin
3: So I had this phase in high school where I was trying to read like all of the intellectual kind of series and uh, be like a professional nerd, right? And so I started reading the Sherlock Holmes series because I'd always kind of liked the mystery. I liked Nancy Drew. Um, I liked the uh, Hardy Boys, Encyclopedia Brown. And so I was interested in this too. I liked that Victorian era stuff. And so that was there as well. And then uh, they put out that Robert Downey Jr. movie really soon after that which was also just a vibe very yes. different vibe <laughs> but also a vibe uh, and as a person who is very inclined to ship characters I don't think I've ever encountered in my life a pair of characters who needed to be shipped as hard as those two yeah oh one
2: thousand percent and I'm interested to know then what are some of the reasons that you
3: love this so much I just think there's something beautiful about how timeless these stories and these characters are. Like they are, let me think over a hundred years old. Now the first ones were published in like the late 1880s, 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, we're still making different versions like house MD. People are just now rediscovering is a Sherlock Holmes story with the Serial numbers filed off. I could see your jaw dropping Ah, because, yes, House is a Sherlock story. Yeah. Listen to even the names, House and Wilson, Holmes and Watson. Their apartment is literally 221B. They solve medical mysteries. Okay, my mind is blown right now. I did not put that together. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think that the timelessness of the characters is beautiful. Like you could take them out of that. Time's zone you can take them out of that country mm-hmm. you can make them different genders or you can make one of them a robot and they're still they still have that same little spirit
2: yeah it can be
3: mice the great mouse detective that's such a good
2: point the timelessness of these characters and sort of their their adaptability to all of these different interpretations works now i'm interested to know if you have a particular story about what lengths you may have gone to, to sort of show your devotion to the fandom, whether that's purchasing a special edition book, you know, participating in a Kickstarter, going to a convention or an author signing, or like bidding for something bonkers on eBay. If there's any sort of story you might have that shows your dedication to the fandom.
3: <laughs> um, So I have, I have many of those, uh, but the better story that I want to tell that I knew I had to come share if I was going to be on this podcast uh, is that I got a wife out of fandom. Okay. Uh, Uh, We're kicking this off on the highest note. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, my partner and I met uh because we were both writing Sherlock fanfiction in like the 2010s. Uh and I left a comment and we started commenting back and forth and we swapped Skype handles. And a few years later now I live in Ohio and we're married and we have a house together. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well yeah that's uh quite
2: a f- I'm like well that's the episode everybody. The best story <laughs> of, of things that have resulted from the fandom. But I love that. It's so funny what brings people together. And I'm always happy when it's book inspired. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much, Morgan, for coming on to share your love of the Sherlock fandom and relay some of those wonderful stories. I hope folks enjoy uh, sort of little snippets that we're going to see of different fandoms and the devotion with which folks go for it. And hopefully they find new books and new things to love out of it.
3: And maybe spouses. And maybe spouses.
2: But right, maybe spouses. That would be even more wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on to chat with me. Yeah, thank you. Hello, Sydney. Welcome. Hi, Emma. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on this episode to talk to us about fandoms, oh my gosh. but for listeners who may need a little refresher or who are new, I'm going to make you introduce yourself and share what you do at Overdrive. Love it. All right. Hello, everyone. I
4: am Sydney, and I have the great pleasure of working with Emma every day. Actually, I am not the podcast co-host, but I work with her in her other life, which is uh, on the training team. So I get to manage a group of incredible trainers who basically take very complex technical information and turn it into uh everyday learning opportunities and emma is one of those folks
2: thank you sydney yeah so she's my boss everyone so (laughs) um but i love having you on here because uh, obviously we love to chat about books and all myriad of other things and so it's really just kismet that we get to do all these fun things together at overdrive
4: I might even throw like a, a last minute, a last minute whammy in here. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, so I have so many fandoms. I have so yeah. many fandoms. Uh like I've written for fandom for many, many years. I have a an ongoing, you know, secret on Uh, AO3 archive of our own for those not in the know Um, and if I happen to be I don't want to spoil anything so I don't know what order in which these different interviews are going to come up but let's just say Morgan and I have a lot in common Um, but I have other fandoms that mostly have come from TV and other media so I am an old school X-Files fan, um, I'm an old school Buffy fan, I was a Veronica Mars fan for a short period of time uh, until Rob Thomas ruined it with the <laughs> reboot. Ugh, the less we say about that, the better. Uh, ditto, Sherlock, P.S. Um, thank you for that. Was a huge. I was a huge Sherlock fan for a very intense period of time also, Morgan. Um, and I do love – I was going to talk to you about Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries because that fandom act for me actually started on the TV side of things and then moved into the books. But like I said, I was going to throw a last-minute wrench in here. And I'm really here to talk about my – Book fandom. Yes, please. So I have lots of them. I have lots of people. Anyone who's heard me on the podcast before knows that I have a deep and abiding love for all things Rainbow Rowell and all things Kelly Link. Like those two people can do absolutely no wrong in my eyes. I will read anything that they put out and, you know, give it my all. But I'm here today to talk about Emily
2: Henry. (laughs) Yay. My yes. girl, M. Hen. Let's yes. discuss. That's a fandom. I, it is. I, okay. So, yeah. So, Emily Henry, when did you first read her, love her? Which so book? My, the funniest
4: part about Emily Henry is that I read her before I knew her, if that mm-hmm. makes so. My first M. Hen was uh, A Thousand Junes
2: yes which is so great you're an og hen stan but i
4: didn't know yeah and i was like oh this is a great book and i did the thing that i always do on libby which is like oh let me just like click on the author name and see what else she's written and i feel like it didn't go anywhere from there i was like oh, i really like this book but i considered it a standalone
5: mm-hmm. and then
4: many years later um I did the same thing. It kind of came up in my like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I read this when I was looking through an old reading journal. And I was like, I should see what else she's done. And I had clicked on and come up with, hello? Is that right? The book that she wrote with Brittany
2: Yeah. I
4: think, thank you for looking this up, even though we both
2: have the internet at our fingertips no, right now. Yeah. Um- Why? That's not how. And I'm like, you hear my hello, girls. Hello, girls. Right. Yeah. So, and I was just like, oh, I should give that a read. I
4: remember really liking Emily Henry, but it was one of those like, it wasn't a tepid love, but in my mind, I was just like, oh, she's one of the YA authors that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then, and then Beach Read. And I was like, uh oh, um, uh oh, I might have a new obsession. So I read Beach Read, and then went back and read The People We Met on Vacation, and then not even two weeks after I read Beach Read, Book Lovers came out, and my life was—my life is—I knew it was over, and that was it. Yeah, that book was my favorite <laughs> book of 2022. Uh, I bought it for a thousand people for Christmas, including. My seventy-something-year-old father. I was like, mm. if you want to know anything about your daughter at this stage in her life, you will read this book, and we will discuss. We we read books together for um, birthdays and Christmases. And I was like, this is the one you're reading. Guess what? This is this is who I am now.
2: Book lovers, I, I yeah. Book it's, lovers it's just perfect. Is what is and was such a perfect story. Yeah. Yes, I'm. Go ahead. I can see you. No. Yeah. Oh, like, so <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be hard for us to encapsulate. Yes. But why do you love Emily Henry's book so much? She's the banter queen.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: That anybody who can write flirtation and make your reader feel it as if it were happening to you when you get champagne bubbles in your stomach reading about two people that you are not seeing with your face. Or in my case, I haven't been listening to audiobooks because um, I don't, I don't know her narrator yet. So I'm not sure who it is. Um, and you're not listening with your eyes. That is a form of sorcery that I think is unparalleled. I feel like I'm having a which is why Happy Place hit me in the gut. Cause I was like, this is this is this is happening to me. I am currently like sobbing
2: at a cabin with my friends. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such a good point. She is the queen of banter and I feel like her books are ones where you both like kick your feet in glee but then also sob. Correct. And Correct. I personally love having that gamut of emotions when I I'm reading too. a book. <laughs> she's one as I'm
4: as I'm writing my own rom-com. She's yeah. one of the authors that I can go back to and study for style. Study for craft without feeling like crap. Not because I'm like, oh, I'm just like, but like, it gives you a sense of like, this is what this is what I want things to feel like when people are reading my stuff. Versus, I'll never get here. Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm never going to be Proust, y'all. Like, that's just never going to happen. And I'm not saying that I could ever achieve what Emily Henry has, but it, she, her writing is hopeful on multiple levels. It's a hopeful read. You want these things to happen, but it's also like. An aspirational read. I'm like, maybe someday I could make people feel like this. Also, she's adorable.
2: Yeah. She's really nice and lovely. Oh, my God. Uh, Someday. Do you have a story in our final little bit that shows your devotion to the M.Hen fandom? Any lengths you've gone to uh, to track down a book or... Go, so I would say go to a convention but that does not really apply for MHA <laughs> right. although I would support an Emily Henry convention I would as well. Um so I haven't done anything too crazy in this particular
4: fandom. I will say probably um I have I have Sherlock stories to rival Morgan's for sure. Um I will say that when I was in London recently I thought about paying the fees to check a bag on the way home so that I could take home the British editions of all of her books before I realized that I was being insane and did not do that. But yeah, I I carried them around Waterstones with me for multiple hours thinking, this is worth a $50 bag charge. This is worth a $50 bag charge just so so it can look good on my shelf.
2: I would say that carrying heavy books around a store for hours is devotion. Thank you so much for chatting, Sydney. Thanks for having me. Hello, welcome. We have some fun Overdrive folks here today to chat with us about fandoms. Christina, Laura, I'm going to make you both introduce yourselves and say a little bit about what you do at Overdrive. And we can start with Christina. Hi, um, I'm Christina Paravalis,
7: and I'm a metadata specialist on the content services team, And my role at Overdrive is um, working with metadata and working with our publisher partners to get all of our fun ebooks and audiobooks into our catalog for libraries to purchase. And I've been with Overdrive 10 years now.
2: Amazing. Thank you, Christina. Laura, what about you? Hi, I'm
8: Laura Henley. Christina and I are actually on the same team, so I'm not going to go through the same (laughs) publisher (laughs) metadata spiel. Um, I am a team lead on the content metadata services team. Um, and I've been at Overdrive uh 10 and a half years. So that's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, Christina, <laughs> Christina only started like a few months after me. So You got me my at, job. Uh, <laughs> I did <laughs> kinda like no. <laughs> kind of, but, but yeah. Christina kind and I of. have known each other a long time.
2: Yeah. And Laura, we were on the same team when I started.
8: We at Overdrive. were. Yeah, yeah. For a little bit. We were both analysts then. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like 10 title changes ago.
8: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: so, yeah, this, I'm excited to have you both here. We chat a lot about this in our. Spare time um, (laughs) at Overdrive. It's one of the things we love the most that we have so many bookish friends uh, among our colleagues. And so I'm going to ask you both which fandom we're going to be talking about today or fandom.
8: (laughs) It's so hard hard to choose one. I know.
7: (laughs) I I think primarily we're going to talk about fourth wing, but we love all things Sarah J. Mass and Colleen Hoover. And yes, Mm -hmm. we love Emily Henry. We love a lot of
2: things. (laughs) Yes. So we'll, we'll focus on fourth wing and maybe a little bit, Sarah J. Mass, uh, because you guys have some cool (laughs) stories about your devotion, uh, which I'm going to ask you about. So individually, <clears throat> well, we'll use Fourth Wing as the example. When did your love for that book and that series begin? Like, did you read an early copy? Did you read it right when it came out? What's the story there?
8: Oh, my gosh. I would have loved to have an early copy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think there was a lot of stuff going around on Instagram where they were comparing it as, like, the next Throne of Glass series or the next ACOTAR series. And I was um honestly kind of – on the later end for pre-ordering it um mm-hmm. but then i saw that it was on sale at walmart and i'm like you know what i've been hearing a lot about this book and i'm gonna order it um and it was like maybe a couple weeks later that it was sold out and you couldn't mm-hmm. get a copy of it at all uh so that felt a little special yeah
2: you kind of like right you got in got into it under the wire
8: i did yes christina t- Christina has a more (laughs) harrowing story. Not Um, really. It's.
7: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I started hearing about it also on the internet, but then Laura started reading it. And I think a few other members of our book club outside of work were reading it as well. And yes, that was when everyone was trying to get their hands on the sprayed edges. And Emma, I think I even asked you about it. Like, where did you get it? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
7: Um, But yeah, Laura just kept telling me, oh, you guys, this book is amazing. And it's just, it's so fun. And, you know, it's so exciting. And I think I listened to the audio book the first time around and I was hooked. (laughs) I was just hooked. And Um, Yeah, my my story with getting the sprayed edges, I was researching and I think I ended up ordering it off of eBay, unfortunately, but (laughs) I had to get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I think that's funny because um, when you had asked like, how did you get it? I literally Googled the ISBN and clicked every single bookstore (laughs) result that I could find. Yeah, Yeah. I think I checked 50 bookstores Mm -hmm. and it was like they had a one-off copy at this bookstore in Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. And so I like ordered it on the website and then I immediately called them and I was like, hi, I just ordered this. Do you actually have it? Yeah. And she was like, oh yeah, we have one with the sprayed edges left. And I said, that's mine. Put it <laughs> It's mine. That's their- mine. <laughs> <laughs> put it in. Put it in. The th- that's mine. I just placed the Dibs. order online. mine. And so they literally put it like in the mail, I think that day. And it was like fortuitous that she had it. In her hands mm-hmm. to send to me.
8: To be it
2: was uh, nice. <laughs> That's a
8: lot of work. That's a lot of dedication oh, to so get your work. hands on a copy. So yeah.
2: Work. Well, it was yeah. funny because I I first saw it when I was on vacation. We were on vacation in Outer Banks. And I was like, Oh, that book looks so good, but I've already bought like five books on vacation.
8: Mm. I can't,
2: <laughs> I can't buy more. Struggle.
8: What's one more <laughs> book?
2: I was like, well, I'll yeah. just buy it when I get home. And literally in between that time, like that five days of being on vacation and going home was when it was like suddenly sold out everywhere.
8: It just blew up really fast.
7: But it's so exciting because it's just, it's great. I recommend
2: it to a lot of people and I don't know. I just love it so much. (laughs) And so that brings me to my next question. What are some of the reasons that you love it so much? Like what is it about Fourth Wing and the Empyrean series that just hits the vibe
7: (laughs) um I mean Zayden obviously yeah (laughs) (laughs) um I think just the strength of Violet's character too it kind of reminds me of like Nesta and A Court of Silver Flames and just that internal struggle and like I can do this I can you know overcome challenges I just love that um that vibe and just the mystery and the like what's going on with the Venom and what's going on with all sorts of things like and it's a new series too so we're kind of excited to see where it goes
8: yeah I was talking to someone at work about the love of the fantasy or romantic genre and how You really have to suspend your disbelief for everything when you're a a fantasy fan because there are characters and aspects of characters that if you were reading like a contemporary romance or contemporary fiction that would annoy you to no end and you would be like, I can't read this. This is so unrealistic. But with fantasy, like you really put some of those things aside because you're enjoying the world building and the character development. And some of those things kind of are tropes of the genre, right? Like a weak woman finds her strength and becomes really like independent and fierce. And like those are, you know, things that we see a lot in fantasy. And I think a lot of people really enjoy that that story um, and specifically in a fantasy where it's a world that we're not in. And so there's the author gets to create her own rules and um, it really kind of takes you away from some of like maybe the struggles, a lot of female readers find themselves in regularly from day to day, but it's just so much fun too. And Mm -hmm. that's something that fantasy really allows you to experience when you're reading it and you can just have fun with it and it's not so serious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point because I I agree. There are certain things that we love in romanticity and fantasy that would absolutely not stand in real life (laughs) or in a contemporary story. And I'm thinking particularly like of characters like Reese and Zayden where it's like you know, you touch her and you die. <laughs> yeah. You obviously would not be in favor of that. Yeah, you would really all.
8: hate a character like that in an Emily Henry book.
2: It would be it would be horrendous. But like yeah. right, in the in this sort of fantastical element, or like right there's different rules. Mm-hmm. Like in this, they're in war college and everyone yeah. dies. And every there's dragons. Day. Right. And there's dragons. In a and world like, with dragons, you can let some of these
8: other kind of. Mm, possessive characteristics of the men. You can let some of that stuff slide because it's like, I could easily die tomorrow. So I guess I don't
2: care. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true though, right? The different rules we have for the different Mm -hmm. settings. I love to hear the best story that you have about any links with which you've gone to support the fandom. Mm. And I I have a particular thing in mind, just knowing you both, but I'm interested, like, whether that's special edition books, Mm. joining a Kickstarter, conventions, eBay Mm. wars. (laughs) Yeah, uh, If there's anything that you've done that's been uh, intensely devoted to the fandom. (laughs) I think for me, I've, This year has been the year
7: that I've really kind of gotten into romanticy, fantasy. I think I'm close to, I think I'm at 75 books for the year, which is the highest I have ever done. And so, so it is newer to me. Obviously, when I was younger, I read Harry Potter and Hunger Games and things like that. And we would do the midnight releases and... Um, but then there was a lull of time and then now getting back into it, it's been exciting to to hear about book conferences or um, like conventions. And so Laura and I and some friends are going to go to a PolyCon in April and that's in Washington, D.C. But we were <laughs> we we're trying to get tickets and, you know, there's a limited number of tickets we're on the website. It was like Taylor Swift all over again. You know, like waiting in the queue, like refreshing the page.
8: Yeah, and we were on the phone, and you know, I'm phone like, together. "Christina, what devices are you on? I'm on? My phone. How do we get this?
7: Yeah." So we were like, you know, we're t- we're going after a certain kind of ticket, and mm-hmm. okay, we're in this. You know, we're in the A group. No, I'm going to try to get the B group, and whoever gets tickets first, like, just let us know. Like. And as soon as we got tickets and we were in checkout, we screamed on the phone.
2: We were like, yeah. We got them. Yes. It was fun. I'm gonna say that it a polycon tickets are our Taylor Swift level of difficulty to get. And so it's I funny. was
8: really surprised. But yeah. if anybody was gonna get them, it was gonna be Christina. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, okay, we need to figure it out together because yeah, she's very organized in terms of like
7: I'm determined.
8: Determined. <laughs> I did Next not get Taylor Swift
7: tickets. So I was trying to redeem myself for, for like, let's get yeah. some tickets for a special event. No, and I'm it's very not excited. Like and I think that's what kind of made me go after the fourth wing first edition, also, because Rebecca Yaris is going to be at a Polycon. And I was mm-hmm. saying to myself, I need a signed first edition. <laughs> so yes.
8: I have to find it. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like the tickets are even very expensive, it's just. Mm-hmm. Right. Insane. Quantity. Quantity, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So Which I can appreciate. Is. Like, I don't want to be fighting, like, thousands of people in line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's very exciting.
2: That's so cool. And yeah. I'm going to want an update from y'all after you do a PolyCon because it's, <laughs> I, I in, in watching it the last couple of years, uh, I'm really interested to hear about it from you guys firsthand.
7: Yeah, we have – Spreadsheets of
5: all the
7: authors. I mean, there's over 200 authors going Mm -hmm. to that event, and Mm -hmm. we have a Google spreadsheet of all the authors and books that we've read, books that we want to read. Yeah, we're trying to track everything, and um, yeah, it's it's kind of chaotic, but it's fun.
8: Our friends have like more physical copies of the books of a lot of authors that are going to be there, and Christine and I have like maybe like three-ish that we Mm -hmm. maybe want to take with us um so like we're not at like some of the levels of some of these other fandom readers but um you know and maybe christine and i are just like more budget aware of how much money (laughs) really goes into being a fandom reader because Mm -hmm. it gets really overwhelming
7: (laughs) It is yeah, really exciting, fast. but yeah, there's a lot out there, and yeah. you know, props to everyone who who does get special editions or like the book box special yes. editions. Those are beautiful books, and mm-hmm. I wish I could have them all. But also, shelf yes. space
2: is limited. Yeah. Shelf too. space well, and money, right? Space and money. I mean, the as someone that's a little bit of a notorious book. Collector, it gets mm. rapidly very mm-hmm. expensive to try <laughs> to guess. track down, especially things like the, you know, you all know this, the sprayed edges with the Rebecca Yaros Fourth Wing, yes. where folks are selling it on eBay for a really high markup. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's and, a thirty dollar book, right? Uh, and it's on sale for you know three hundred dollars. So yeah. it is cost prohibitive to a point. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
8: Yeah. And there's people like trading like the new, mm-hmm. the second book with the sprayed edges for copies of the first edition of the first book with sprayed edges. It's nuts.
2: Yeah. I'm like, we could go on a whole chat about the like scarcity mindset with the uh. limited editions and the sprayed edges, but. It really gets you. It really does. Mm-hmm. 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 we we won't go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) But thank you both so much for coming on. I'm so excited we got to chat a little bit about the fourth wing fandom. And I cannot wait for an Apollycon update in spring.
0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
6: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads.
2: Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So we're here to chat fandoms. And before we do, could you introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do at Overdrive?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Sarah Filiberto. I am a digital content librarian in the public library collection development area. Um, So basically, what that means is that we create lists of books for people. And all of those fantastic lists that you see in your Libby app, like, you know, new reads, uh, cozy mysteries, everything like that. um, Those have been created by my team. And um, so basically, we get to look through uh, books all day and make up cool lists for people to uh, see in Libby.
2: (laughs) Such a fun job.
5: Yeah, I love it.
2: Part of the reason that that makes you... An expert and a great guest for this episode. So what fandom are we going to be chatting about today?
5: Um, I went I I went through so much back and forth on this um because I am in so many fandoms, but I had to go with my one true love of Star Wars.
2: <laughs> okay. That's perfect. Well, I was so let me ask you this. What were some of the other ones you were debating? We'll talk about Star Wars, obviously. Oh, absolutely.
5: Um so there's Doctor Who there's Marvel um I also really heavily debated going into like contemporary romance because that's like a new fandom for me but yeah. I think I'm gonna give it a little bit until I have more books under my belt
2: <laughs> absolutely so when did your love of Star Wars begin like what was the first thing that prompted this sort of fascination
5: um so I so obviously Star Wars was like a 1977 movie, I am an an 80s or late 80s, early 90s baby. So that is way before my time. Um, So my love started when The Phantom Menace came out. And that is like my first real memory of being at a Star Wars movie and like falling in love with it. And everything just kind of snowballed from there.
2: (laughs) Obviously, this started as a film series, and has then sort of exploded into all kinds of different adaptations. And so with the way that you enjoy Star Wars, are you like a diehard for just the films? Do you engage with any of the book series that have spawned from this or like the spinoff shows or anything like that? Like, where does that
5: take you? all of the above.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to add
5: <laughs> like literally all of the above. Um I mean obviously it started with the film series and I've been through so many of the book series but I feel like that's like an impossible task because there are so many of them that if I tried to list them all you would not have a short podcast. <laughs> um and then obviously it's gone into the spin-off shows. I've also been to conventions and have like seen the depths of what other fans will go to for it. So I feel like my fandom is very small compared to what other people get into. I mean, I've seen cosplayers, I've seen um, like the 501st Legion of like stormtroopers that people, uh, you know, help out with and other stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, it's definitely all of the above.
6: There's two really hi, Joes here. Surprise coming in (laughs) out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) there's two really interesting parts of that as well that like number one the 501 the fact that they are like civil war reenactors but for a fictional the dedication to that alone but the other thing that i want to talk about with the books is canonicity the fact that there are so many different canons in star wars things that are originally that were part of the canon that now have been removed with the new series and what is it like to have that kind of ever changing flow of what's real? Uh, and and how do you experience the the canon?
5: I mean, as your it's possible to keep track of for starters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, like honestly, trying to keep track of what is and is not canon anymore is just could be a full-time job in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> But as for like what's real, I feel like that is just dependent on the person. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm stuck with, like, oh, the EU isn't canon anymore, so I'm not going to read those books because it doesn't matter in this realm of the universe or that realm. It's just if I like the books, I'm going to read them. And if they're not canon to someone, then who cares? I mean, if I enjoy them, I feel like that's all that matters. And I think that's, that just goes for every other person who's reading them too. Like for every book, it's reader. And if you enjoy that and you don't care if it's real, then who cares?
6: (laughs) Absolutely. I love that approach to fandom because I mean, every fandom that you've, that you listed that you're like, I could pick from so many of these and have the very diehard. I'll just say I was in, on Tumblr and you know, the like, humbler heyday of fandoms that's <laughs> how i started watching sherlock doctor who supernatural yep. marvel movies like <laughs> this speaks to me but i i appreciate that approach of let's enjoy what we enjoy
5: yeah otherwise things just get way too divisive and it just gets really ugly really fast
2: yeah it takes the fun out of it i think yeah so what is the best story you have about any lengths you've gone to for your fandom of choice. So whether that is like purchasing like memorabilia or special editions or participating in Kickstarters or going to conventions, I'm interested if you have like a favorite memory or story that shows your devotion.
5: Oh, I definitely do. And it's, like, fairly, re- fairly recent within, like, the last year also. So I go to a couple conventions regularly and finally decided to um, bite the bullet, so to speak, and to, to get, like, photo ops with um, some of the voice actors for the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show, which is probably the highlight of my life. Um, <laughs> so. There were, uh, it was a four-person photo op with the voice actors who did Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and uh, Darth Maul. And um, I had a replica lightsaber with me that it was going to be in the photo. And so you walk into um, the little, you know, booth that they're doing the photos in, and James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan, sees the lightsaber and he goes, well, does it turn on? Like, of course it does. <laughs> He's like, well, then you have to have it on for the photo. And I'm like, whatever you want, sir. (laughs) Anything for you. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So that has been the absolute highlight of uh, my Star Wars fandom experiences by far. Um, and it's hilarious, because if I show the photo to, to other people, like their voice actors, no one will really know who they are. Um, it's very different than if I were to show them a photo of like, you know, Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor or something like that. But it's just, yeah, I was fangirling a lot.
6: <laughs> I love the devotion to voice actors, because right, you post that on social and everyone's like, who, what? But you know, and that's the most important part.
5: Absolutely. It's like, I could go to so many lengths to tell you what these people have done, but just go listen to their work.
6: (laughs) Right. My friends were just at Steel City this past weekend and did a photo op with the cast of Scream. And I know they were all quaking, but for me, I'm like, oh, Rose McGowan's there. And there is my friend with her copy of brave getting signed by rose and like see this is this yes. is why we're friends this is the intersection of everything <laughs> it's this love of scream but also the love of books
5: <laughs> absolutely and honestly like photo ops are fantastic but i was recently at galaxy con in columbus and um sat in on a panel with uh, giancarlo esposito who was Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian and listening to him speak, like just being in his panel and not even getting an autograph or a photo was just phenomenal because he's an amazing, amazing speaker and he's been in so many series that it's just, it's fantastic. I could listen to him talk all day.
2: (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on to chat with us about your passion and your joy about the Star Wars fandom. We
5: really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. I'm really glad to be here.
2: (laughs) Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds. Hi. Thank you for having me. We're so happy you're here today to chat fandoms. But before we do, could you introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do at Overdrive?
1: Yeah. uh, So, Andrea. hmm? I am the manager of the education product support team, so we work with schools and Sora with any technical questions, customizations, know-hows, and working out all those features that we can use both in Sora and Marketplace.
2: We love the Sora love. So this is a fun episode. We're here to chat about fandoms, mostly bookish, but also adjacent What fandom would you consider yourself a part of that we're going to chat about today?
1: Well, the one fandom that you are very well aware of is the SJM fandom, but we don't have to get into that because we get into that a lot. So we'll just say there's that one.
2: We surprisingly uh, have not talked about that at all on this episode. Just as a side note. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Maybe because (laughs) we've already talked about it we've talked about it there's been episodes it's cool yeah um so I will I have two fandoms to discuss and I'll touch on one of them briefly because I feel like this one has been promoted a lot more recently words um because the spinoff just came out and Emma I know you and I have talked about this so it's the Serpent and Dove series by Shelby Meheron um Loved that series since day one. The covers are beautiful. The story is beautiful. It's a great enemies to lovers, forced marriage, found family sort of series. Um, And the spinoff just came off. The Scarlet Veil came out earlier this year. Second one's coming out sometime next year. Um, If you're someone who likes to wait for books to be done, I would wait because the Scarlet Veil ended on such a cliffhanger that I just kind of sat there and my husband was like are you okay and i'm like you can't end books like that Oh, he's like well what happened and i won't say what happened i'm like you she what no and he's like maybe you need to go take a minute i'm like i think i do i think so we need to take a step back <laughs> So if you if you're not a big cliffhanger person or you need the next book right away, I would wait until the Mm -hmm. second one comes out. If you're if you're okay with it or you love the pain of cliffhangers, go ahead and read it now. Um, And I'll tell our listeners what I told you. You don't have to read the Serpent and Dove series for the Scarlet Vale, but it does give you a lot of background and context because those characters do show up and have a big part in the Scarlet Vale.
2: Um. yes. Yeah, because we, yeah, so we talked about this at length before I decided if I needed to dip into Serpent and Dove to read this book. And I know you don't have to, but I feel like you kind
1: of do. Yeah, You should. You should.
2: You should. You don't have to, but you should. Because the main character in The Scarlet Veil, yeah, like there's too much backstory, I think, that happens in Serpent and Dove.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you need and you're it. not gonna like <laughs> Salie. I think is how you say her name. You're not gonna like her in Serpent and Dove, but I don't think you're supposed to. Mm-mm. But as the series goes on, she develops, and you'll be fine. So, so. you
2: yes. Yeah, so this is a good point. You said you have been a fan of this series and sort of universe since the beginning. So when did you first read Serpent and Dove when it came out?
1: Yes, They have it. So let's find out.
2: I'm like, yeah, this, I don't even remember when this came out. 2019.
1: Okay, that actually surprises me. So 19, 20, 21, and then a year to write. Because she started writing something else, and then she said the story for Saley came to her, and she had to stop writing what she was writing to pivot to this. So there's like a year gap.
2: For some reason,
1: I felt like this series was a lot older than that even though it's because it came out in 2019 and then 2020 well, and just you know lost the last, the last yeah. years <laughs>
2: like what so well, that's probably why <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is there a reason that you love this sort of universe so much
1: i'm always a fan of enemies to lovers is my number one number one trope you could just tell me that and i'd be like cool i don't care what the rest of this is about um but it takes like also like a fun spin on like magic and witches um, and Scarlet Veil vale gets into vampires. You, there's mermaids, which it sounds very kitschy, but it's not. Um, so she really does take a lot of like fun levels and the characters look really fun and really developed. And they definitely like grow through each book. And mm-hmm. you can kind of feel that and you can tell that they're, there's the growth, which is always nice in the trilogy.
2: And is this the trilogy for that? It's dual POV, if I'm remembering correctly. We get mm-hmm. stuff from uh, yes, Reed, and uh, now I'm blank on Blue. any names. Lou. So if you like dual POV as well, which yes. I, do. <laughs> I do,
1: I think they're all dual. Do- I think they're all dual POV. And one um, of them so might we can have use a to count
6: toward our 2024 reading challenge. Uh-huh again, Joe popping in out of nowhere to just yeah. <laughs> plug our own uh, you work. Too.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Joe always keeping us on task because I actually already forgot that uh, it, that is one of our prompts for 2024. So and uh, well, it's not a duology. So never mind. But I think
1: the Scarlet Veil is. OK, so I see th- we're getting. Do we're not getting quote there. me, but I think it's only going to be two books.
2: I think that sounds right. So we're going to go with that. And if we're incorrect, don't mention it to us, dear listeners. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I want to ask if there, if you have like a favorite story or lengths you've gone to uh, just to show devotion, appreciation, or passion for this fandom, whether that is like signed or special editions or like merch or bidding on things on eBay or anything like that that you
1: want to share. I wanna say, yeah, so well, my Gods and monsters is assigned first edition through Barnes and Noble. Um, so there's that. Um, I always tend to get the Barnes and Noble special edition. So they're all the Barnes and Noble ones if they had them. Um, so I do that. I follow Shelby, I'll get lost, I'll get lost in like the tags on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I have any merch or anything on those lines other than just. Telling people to read the book,
2: I'm like, I feel like I, we need some. more Did you debate at all over the edition of the Scarlet Veil? No. Okay, because there were co- like a billion. I feel like for that book, there were like there was a Barnes and Noble, there was a regular, there was a Fairy Loot, there was a something something. There was like a ten thousand.
1: No, I, I just did the Barnes and Noble because I like the covers and that the bonus chapter. Yeah, and I usually I the opposite of you, and I say that with love. <laughs> where I I get the one, yeah, like I give myself the one edition just because I only have so much space, and I'm always a little weird about that. So,
2: no, I need you to teach me those ways <laughs> to be like Emma. You don't need five. You can just have one because uh, but- I don't need five. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. But then when like I want to read those extra chapters and the eight versions of House and Flame that are coming out, I don't think they it's exaggerating. Um I can come to you be like, hey, I'm ready for the books in Million One. I'm ready for the Barnes and Noble One and I can just swap them out with you so I can read that chapter and give it back. Yes, that is
2: true. I did I think Joe, were we talking about this? I actually don't know how many editions of that book I ordered.
6: Yes, we were just talking about it. And no, you do not know. And
2: I I think it's probably for the best that I don't know how many I actually bought and they just like show up.
6: That's where we landed. Don't look it up. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to cancel anything. (laughs) Just when they come, be excited every time. And maybe one of them will be your like physical reading copy.
2: Yeah. There you go. I may be horrified at how many I ordered.
6: I'm pretty sure you did order eight. I don't think there are eight different versions, but I'm pretty sure you ordered eight. Yeah. And I think yeah. I almost ordered three just on my in behalf. your panic alone.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the day that they released, actually, Andrea and our colleague Maria were two of the people that we were checking for like the various editions to yes. populate on various retailers' websites. So
1: Yes. That one I struggled with. That one I struggled with whether two Barnes and Dumbles or Walmart. And I ended up with the Walmart one specifically because of who the, who the bonus story is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No spoilers. But
1: yeah.
6: Yes. Andrea, you said you came with a second fandom as well.
1: I did. Um, so this one is the Remnant Chronicles by Mary E. Pearson. Ooh. So okay. th- this one is definitely older. This, again, this comes back to my really great planning ahead, where I have the books out, but did not look at anything up regarding publishing dates.
5: Uh, 2014.
6: Um, this, thank you. Yes.
1: So this one, The Kiss of Deception, is the first one. I'm now realizing this is also a trilogy with a duology spinoff. So I like, <laughs> apparently really picked a theme. That's okay. Um, this one I remember putting on my Goods list and then taking off. I don't remember why. And then putting it back on a couple of like months or something later. Um, so this is also this well, this is an arranged marriage, um, kingdoms at war, found family prophecies kind of aspect. And I love the kiss of deception, which is again the first book, because you have three slash five kind of POVs. Because you have Leas, who's the ma- the main character, and then you have a prince and assassin and then oh my god i can't remember their names (laughs) caden is one and i'm flipping through the book trying to find his name nope that's leah's chapter still leah's chapter anyway so when you are going through the books you don't know who's the prince and who's the assassin so you get chapters from the assassin, you get chapters from the prince, you get chapters from Caden, you get chapters from, and he's still not popping up, <laughs> you get chapters from the other main character, main male character, Rafe. Um, But you don't know who's who. And so as you're reading it, you're trying to figure out, like, who, who belongs to who. But she's very good about keeping it generalized enough that you're like, oh, I think it's this person. And the next one, you're like, nope, that's not it.
0: So,
1: so that was a really cool nice twist um and then there's the heart of betrayal and the beauty of darkness which brought out the trilogy um but it, it's a really cool story of like Leah, who's this princess who runs away from an arranged marriage because she's like i don't want this i don't want you know all of this on me i don't have this prophecy that everyone says that i have i don't have this like any kind of magic, and then she turns into like a straight-up warrior, is like fighting in the war and defending her kingdom, and like you know helping defend another kingdom throughout all this. So that's a really, I think, a really fun series.
6: And do you have any uh, fun stories or special links to this series as well that you've gone?
1: I read it three times.
6: Okay, you know, honestly, <laughs> that counts.
1: <laughs> I I just checked it out
2: on Libby. <laughs>
6: That was fast. <laughs> <laughs> Convinced early. <laughs>
2: uh, Yeah. I'm sold. Because I appreciate that there's a completed trilogy and then the, like, duology spinoffs. So you have, like, options. You can, like, come into the universe whichever ways you want, potentially.
1: Yes. Yes. And then the, the spinoff is kind of the same thing where it's like, this one I feel like if you skipped the original trilogy and just with duology, it would be okay. You wouldn't get as much, but you yeah. would still missing things, but not missing as much. Um is that so. the Dance of Thieves one is the
2: spinoff? Yes,
1: Dance of Thieves okay. and then Vow of Thieves. Okay. And that is completed as well.
2: And you know what? I'm pretty sure I bought those books uh simply because I knew you liked them. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> these are good.
1: Um, Also, a dual point of view. Look at I just chat. Look at that. I give people options.
2: Yep. Yep. We're going to be starting the new year off with options for the Pro Book Nerds Reading Challenge already. Uh, But thank you, Andrea, for coming on to chat. Fandoms. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com.